Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It's time to bring the orange with our VMware expert, uh, Director of VMware Integration, Cody Hosterman. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's great to have you back. Always great to uh, find some free time. I know you and the team are uh, working really hard these days and uh, have a lot of great integrations going. Um, for folks that didn't hear you when we had you on before and maybe don't know you, although I don't know if that's possible, you've got quite a great following. Um, why don't you just introduce yourself really quickly and, and what you work on here at Pure. Yeah, sure. So um, I, I'm in charge of all of our VMware integrations and solutions, um, especially from a technical perspective at Pure. So basically, whether it be best practices, reference architectures, co-engineering projects with VMware, plugins, packs, all that type of stuff is um, in particular focus around the flash array and cloud block store uh, is, is, is on my team. And I've been at Pure now just about a, two weeks uh, from I'm hitting my six year mark. So. I know it's been, it's more than five. So six. Wow. That's a long, long time. But you've seen the relationship with VMware over that time. I mean, I feel like, you know, historically when I've talked to you and others that we, we really did well and got really tight with VMware kind of early on, right? It really helped us, um, you know, get some popularity for Flash Array. And it seems like the relationship really has grown. There's a really deep relationship there with a lot of co-engineering and co work on uh, uh, co-engineering integrations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think an advantage we had um, around that relationship is the fact that we are a new, a new company, you know, we were a new company, right, yeah. relatively. Um, and so, we didn't have a lot of things we had to maintain. And so we could put a lot of focus and energy into new stuff, right? How can we use the newest and greatest and how can we, how can we integrate our product? How can we build it for these things that are being developed and, and focus on that? And so without having a lot of that kind of older technical debt around it, we were able to stay on the forefront and eventually, you know, the folks at VMware, uh, engineering product management started to take notice like oh if we want to work on x you know it looks like pure over there they're doing some stuff let's partner with them and so i think that's kind of how a really close engineering and pm relationship that we have now with vmware has kind of came from yeah how does that relationship work these days i mean what's what's the week by week you know the the level of interaction with with folks and and your you know counterparts on the vmware side you know you guys kind of do joint comparisons of what's coming out um, I, you know, what's behind the scenes that's going on there? Well, I think the big thing, especially in the past year or so, is the really coordinated co-engineering projects um, around Pure and, and VMware. Uh, so, you know, obviously a big thing that we've been talking about and pushing and investing quite a bit at Pure is, is virtual volumes. And, yeah. and, and, in, and, 20, and 2018 was really about spreading the word, right? Getting people to understand that it existed and some of the benefits around it. 2019 was like, all right, now getting really engagement from the vendors. And I'm not just talking about VMware, I'm talking about the storage vendors, right? And so, right. yeah, right, 2019 was really, sorry, there was a pause. 2019 was really about getting all these partners and industry ecosystem partners as well, like backup and everything like that to say like, yeah, this, this makes sense. Let's invest in it. Let's start building. And so that's what we're really seeing now in 2020 is the result of that first year of coordinated efforts across basically the entire VMware ecosystem on integrating 
VVOLs in these different product sets. And a lot of the announcements that came out recently and, and of course, around vSphere 7 uh, are focused around VVOL support. Yeah, which is really exciting because you and the team have been, and Pure as a whole, have been a, a really big champion for, uh, for virtual volumes um, over time. And again, I, you know, I'll, I'll get back to basics a little bit. Maybe just describe, for, you know, there was an episode that we did earlier uh, around that, but maybe just the, the 30,000 foot view on virtual volumes for folks that, that are listening that may not have as, as good a background in that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, traditionally block storage in a VMware environment was done with VMFS, right? So you created a big old volume, you put a file system on it, VMFS, and then you slapped a bunch of virtual machines and a bunch of virtual disks on it. But the features on your array, right, they were assigned on that data store and whatever happened to be on that data store, whatever VMs or disks. And so there wasn't really VM granular. And, and obviously there's a sensible trend towards application focus, right? I want to build things around my application, not, not, a, not a data store, right? I don't want to use my features to protect the data store. I want it to do it to, do it to protect and manage applications and file systems and whatever, right? And so what VVOL does is it breaks that up. It breaks that data store up. So your virtual machines and your virtual disks are actually individual discrete objects on your array. And so you can use the array features at the granularity that they were intended for and the granularity that you probably actually want to use them. And of course, there's a whole automation, a certified automation framework around this. So VMware knows how to create these volumes and knows how to configure them. And it's all controlled from that side. And that that's there's certainly a lot more to it, but that's really the crux of what it is. And so this, you know, kind of back to your original question, though, I guess I didn't quite answer it, is what's, what's the day the day around this? And yeah, a lot of it has been these co-engineering projects, right? We have weekly and sometimes even more frequently, especially as we get closer to launch, we got closer to launch um, with the, the, the VMware engineering teams, with the VMware certification teams, the product management team to talk about you know, what, what needs to be improved, what needs to be changed, what tests need to be run, how we can coordinate marketing, um, what features need to be built. And so that's really what a lot of it is. It's just that it's end to end and product management, the product management relationships to build these features. And that's one of the really nice benefits of VVOLs is that these aren't one-off integrations. These are, these are, these are features in this ecosystem that can be used and leveraged across everything, right? We're not yeah. creating one plugin for one product of VMware. It's really the, the one integration to rule them all, if you will, <laughs> bind them in, in the darkness. Right, right. <laughs> Good stuff. I like that. Um, was there kind of an aha moment on, because VVOLs have been around, but was there kind of an aha moment? You go back to that 2018 thing where they realized this necessity for it, or is it just something that kind of evolved over time as, as they grew in popularity? I'm, I'm curious on that. Well, it's, it's, it, there's a couple ways to answer that question. I think personally for me, when I realized, I, so I had an aha moment a couple years ago around yeah. what it could enable and whatnot, but you know, I, I think the, aha, the real important aha moment for me was that, aha, we finally got really good buy-in across the board here, right? I had more people reaching out to me about, hey, how does this work with VVOLs? How can we integrate this with VVOLs? How does this work with VVOLs? Instead of me reaching out to people saying, hey, have you thought about doing this with VVOLs? Or have you thought about adopting support for VVOLs? Right, I saw this shift middle of last year. Uh, and I think a lot of it aligned, you know, maybe I, I probably related to, you know, VMware's 
rebranding of evolves and refocus of it, you know, the, to make that first V lowercase. But that really signified this, this shift um, from a VMware perspective and the industry. And, you know, a lot of this was driven by customers starting to really adopt it, really starting to use it and find new, finding new use cases. And so there was a little bit, the peer pressure, honestly, of, of Vivals and what it offered between storage vendors too, drove a lot of this, I think, last year. And so, uh, you know, there was, I saw a lot of aha customer moments. I saw a lot of aha for, you know, folks at VMware. Yeah. Um, I mean, I honestly, like, I think, uh, you know, I made this comment when I was presenting over at VMware HQ, I don't know, maybe a year ago, where I said, you know, VVOLs are, I know this is a, a, kind of an ugly word, but VVOLs are an automated way of provisioning RDMs. And this one database person that was there at VMware, they're like, whoa, whoa, that means I could really do a lot of interesting things around snapshots. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, and so, the, yeah, yeah. you know, there's certain different places where these ahas happen, but it's been, it's been really fun to watch, especially over the past 12 to 18 months. Well, and it's, it's kind of always that thing, right? I mean, the customers and the users who are trying to solve problems will go use things the way they want to regardless of whether we or, or another vendor intended that to be, right? So if they go figure out there's some great advantage, they're going to do that. You're going to go, oh, all right, well, that's really interesting. Um, it's just something that we see over and over. Um, so with that as a backdrop, uh, let's, let's shift on to, to vSphere, right? vSphere 7.0. Uh, I, I was scrolling through the announcement and things that were pumped out. There's a, just a lot there. Um, seems like seems like a lot of things, which probably means a lot of integration work for you and the team. Yeah, it's 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 been a significant project for a, a long time. Um, you know, we've been. We, I think a, a good example of this is NVMe Fabric support, right? So, yeah. Pure introduced uh, NVMe Fabric support with Rocky V two uh, early early twenty nineteen, but it was very limited. Uh, and what could use it? Basically, bare metal Linux, and that that was essentially it. And so the adoption of it wasn't huge, wasn't gangbusters, because in the end, like you know, it couldn't use it with Microsoft, you couldn't use it with VMware, and, and that really limits what can leverage that technology. And so an important part of this was was of course ESX. So very early on, we started working directly with the VMware storage team to see, hey, how can we do? How can we integrate this? How can we support VMware's development of this feature to really get it? Uh, additional adoption and and so that's been a, a significant project for us and we're really excited to you know officially release um, ESX support with VMware um, of NVMware Fabrics of Rocky V2 with Pure and so that's we fantastic. are Daisy our partners on that and we're one of the only ones supported for that right now at the moment right or will for, for Rocky V2 yeah I think at launch uh, fiber channel is something that we're Pure is working on for for later um, but at launch uh, Rocky V2 I think I think as as far as as of recording right now, I believe we're the only vendors for that. Yeah, yeah. How about um, how about containers? Containers, Kubernetes things. There was some some work on the announcement or some word in the announcement there. Um, that's that's got to be pretty well aligned with things that we've been doing with PSO and and a lot of the efforts in, in that space. Yeah, the 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 Kubernetes offering and the container support and persistent storage support around that I think is one of the most. Uh, I mean, short-term and also long-term exciting things around the vSphere 7 launch. And th there's a couple different parts of this. Of course, there's you know, the, the Tanzu Kubernetes grid and deploying your own uh, you know, Kubernetes uh, op, uh, kind of infrastructure through Tanzu to whatever environment that happens to be. And there's, there's a lot going on along that, uh, as, as well as integration with our pure service orchestrator, which is our CSI driver yeah. alongside Tanzu. So a lot of work going along that. I think a lot of the interest too is around VMware's Project Pacific, um, which is 
now currently no longer is codenamed. It's actually named and it's vSphere with Kubernetes. And that's, that's currently offered within VMware Cloud Foundations. Um, and that essentially integrates things like the supervisor cluster and so forth directly into vSphere. So containers are first class objects now. And of course, that's important to us because our storage can be first class objects inside of VMware. And when it's a VVOL, when it's that direct object on our array, it's a first class persistent storage claim across the stack. And so there's a lot of use cases, I think, around uh, vSphere with Kubernetes, um, our, our VVOL offering, and how this is all managed. Because in the end, what VMware uses to provision storage is its CSI driver, right? They have their own, just like we have our, our, our uh, PSO. And it's called a CNS, uh, Cloud Native Storage. And this leverages storage policy-based management, and anyone that's familiar with VVOLs will recognize that term, to provision storage. And so you can create storage policies, which is essentially your storage class within CSI provisioning. And so this really works well with the CNSI dri CNS driver. If you, if you look at VMware's announcements, supports VVOL, supports you know, uh, VMFS, it supports vSAN as well, right? The whole smattering of it. And they'll be adding, adding VVOL support directly to vSphere with Kubernetes in, in, the, in the near term as well, which you can see on VMware's uh, blogs and whatnot. So I, I think there's a lot of promise around what we can do around Kubernetes persistent storage migration, VR as a service, just general uses, usage around the VMware ecosystem of products and integrations. And so really, I mean, this is, this is opening up what we can do as pure, you know, as a, as a storage vendor within the VMware environment and expanding our integration and the use cases for it. So I'm super excited to continue to build on top of that. No, it's super exciting. Um, what, what would you say are the top two or three things that you and the team are working on right now? I and mean, it could be some of the things that you've been mentioning already, but um, what are some of those things, you know, as, as relates to this launch that you think are be the, the most impactful um, integrations that, that we're pushing out? Yeah, so there's, uh, I, I'd say the, the most effort right now, our, my team is focused on, or at least the kind of the, the major thing, is site recovery manager support of, of virtual volumes. And, and, you know, the question is, what, what does that mean? Um, I thought, you know, if, 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 you know, you integrate VVOLs and everything gets it. And that's generally true. Um, but what Site Recovery Manager was built to do with integrating with array-based replication is through this plug-in program referred to as an SRA or a storage replication adapter. VMware would figure out what VMs existed and so, and so forth in their environment or rather SRM would. Mm -hmm. And the SRA was provided by the vendor and it would tell uh, SRM, hey, these are the data stores um, that are replicated. And VMware's like, okay, these are the VMs that are on those data stores. I can protect them. And then if I want to fail them over, it would tell the SRA, hey, go and fail that over. And so it wasn't really directly integrating with vSphere to do that. It was kind of an external thing. And so what we've been working on with VMware is having SRM talk directly to Vasa. And Vasa is the API right. that's, that does all the provisioning and management and replication management and failover, right? These failover, test failover, it's all built into Vasa. And so what SRM is being updated to do is to not need that SRA anymore, is talk directly to Vasa and vSphere on managing VMs and the replication and the failover and whatnot. And so getting... Uh, getting that support introduced, uh, testing that, you know, we've shipped a bunch of flash arrays all over the place so this can be tested and we've been doing our own documentation and demos and we presented it with VMware at VMworld on this um, and it's been a super critical part of what we've been focusing on for the past like year. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, 
what about the cloud side? Right? We're, we're looking at a lot of things relative to VCF, and um, that seems to be an area we're reading more and more about. What, what, what's going on in that space that you're looking at? Yeah, VMware Cloud Foundation is becoming a, a, a growing and growing, uh, well, a thing of growing and growing importance, rather, uh, in VMware environments. And VCF is essentially a tool um, that deploys automated VMware environments. So VCF deploys something called a management domain that has all your stuff, right? Some uh, management vCenter, NSX, um, a vRealize suite, smattering of other things. And then you can deploy one or more workload domains. And that's basically a new vCenter with an NSX Edge appliance and of course ESX hosts like a cluster. And you deploy one or more as needed across your on-premises environment. And underneath that, of course, you can use storage. Uh, inside of the tool inside of ECF that deploys this is called SDDC Manager. Uh, when deploying a workload domain, you can choose a storage choice. Uh, you can choose uh, vSAN, you can choose NFS, and you can choose VMFS. And so what you know, they've, they've mentioned in their public materials that they are working on adding vVol support as, a, as an option within that. But all of our storage is also supported after those workload domains are, are, are deployed. So if you deploy a workload domain on fiber channel with VMFS, you can then add vVols to it, or you can add iSCSI and vVols, or even iSCSI and VMFS if you want to. And then it just uses vCenter. And so all of our traditional integration around vRealize Orchestrator and our vSphere plugin uh, and Set Recovery Manager works all this. And that's one of the really attractive things around VCF is you get this lifecycle management around uh, your VMware environment, but then you can use all that integration that, you, you, that you're used to, right, from your storage vendor on it. And so we've been putting a lot of efforts into building out solutions around using VCF with active cluster for stretch, stretch clusters in, in VCF environments and how to, how to use and manage our storage in general around it. And so that's a huge focus for us, especially as vSphere with Kubernetes, which relies on VCF, uh, starts to grow in adoption. Yeah, it sounds like a really comprehensive end-to-end -end story, right, when we start connecting all these things together. And a great testament to, to the work that you you and the team have been doing. And, and, and everything always keeps coming back to VVOLs when you talk. It's kind of... It's kind well, of I mean, but it should, right? Or that should be the foundational thing. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it is. I mean, that's where the data is. So eventually, yeah. it's, it's, you know, nothing's truly stateless. There's state somewhere. It's just yeah. the state isn't your problem, right? And so yeah. that's, the state is generally ours. And so one, once again, it, it comes down to that storage and, and how it's integrated and implemented up the stack. And as we get more and more automated environments, right, more dependencies across the board, having that true and tight integration around storage provisioning and management is going to be really important, especially with things like containers where these aren't, aren't going to be just VMs sitting around for weeks, months, and years. These are things that could live for a short period of time. And so having good integration, tracking, and automation across the stack of your storage is, is critical. And, and VVols gives that granularity and that built-in and certified solution. And I think that's a really key point around that. And one of the reasons that VMware is investing heavily now around virtual volumes is for that very point. Right? It's a kind of a single point of integration that they can use all over the place and they can use it in an expected fashion. They know how it's going to work because it's a certified and kind of common API across the board. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great you guys have been able to able to kind of hone in on that. Hey, kind of um, off the wall question here, but um, we, when you've been here six years, and I know we, we did a ton of work over the years around VDI, and with the current kind of interesting situation, we're, we're seeing some, some interesting uptick in, in requests to do things on VDI. What, what, what was your experience around uh, doing VDI things in the past, and have you gotten pulled into some things on that recently? 
Oh yeah, we, we've certainly seen a huge uptick um, in interest around around VDI, right? There was many many years where everyone joked around, oh, you know, 20, 2012 is the year of VDI, twenty thirteen is the year of VDI, and and I think we eventually did kind of hit it, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think the the introduction of of all flash into the mainstream and so forth six years ago kind of allowed that to truly happen. Um, but this is kind of the year of VDI part two for, for a variety of reasons and, and not just for the, you know, the, the coronavirus and, and how people have to work from home, but just increased security around ransomware and whatnot, where protecting data and protecting those endpoints is, is critically important. Yeah. So we've been seeing a lot more of this uh, in the past. And honestly, like VDI, like you could argue that we, built pure a little bit on the use case around VDI. Right? Yeah, it was it was a very popular use case to, 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 you know, six or seven years ago growing up. Yeah, I mean, in the end, a, a lot of the struggles around VDI traditionally was a really complicated reference architectures around storage because you had to be able to survive that boot storm for 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so people over-architected their environment because, well, they needed all the spindles or all the cache or all the front-end CPU or all the whatever to be able to survive 22 minutes of the day. But then the rest of the day, all these resources were stranded. And so maybe it could be tiered around the back end, but then eventually they would hit that again with the, you know, the virus scans or the recompose, or once again, that bootstorm. And was it, was it, was it brought back in the right time? Is it going to be performant again? And so there was a lot of stranded inefficiencies of, of resources and just frankly, just became really expensive. And so one of the places the flash array really shines is, is one is performance, right? Our volumes are not tied to, uh, spindles or CPU or front end ports or cache or something, they're tied to the array. And so you can yeah. create one big old data store, put all your desktops on it, and it gives you all the performance that that flash array has to offer. And then after that boot storm's over and everything calms down, any other volumes on that array can then use that performance without having to move data or shift it around because it's using what's available. And so this really turned our array initially into a, a VDI platform, but then a consolidation platform where they realized that. I can put all these different workloads on the array because when I create this volume provision, it, it isn't unless I specify some kind of IOPS or throughputs limits and things. It isn't reserving all of this capacity or isn't limiting me to what I can do because I only have one volume or my underlying storage architecture. And so that and combined with, of course, how we do our data reduction and VDI reduces like crazy mm -hmm. um, where it's just a, a really sensible use case. And so and that, that just hasn't changed, right? That, that, that challenge is still out there and we can add really quick value to VDI deployments just because it's so, so simple. You create a volume, put your VMs on it and, and, you, and you go nuts. You can really focus on the end user and that satisfaction because that's really the key. It is. That if, if, if a VDI environment does not perform, if your desktop does not perform better, or your virtual desktop rather, does not perform better than your, your laptop, right? People are gonna complain and it's going to fail. And that can be an expensive failure. So the low latency offered by the flash array really enables that. Um, and that's, that's a key to a successful VDI environment. So all these things conspire together to make VDI a really special use case on the flash array. Sometimes I'm surprised, like we should sell the flash array with like a VDI with it. Like, I mean, it just seems like it's such a, like a bundle use case like together. An exactly. integrated bundle or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, just here you go and roll it out. They seem to be made for one another. Yeah, but I think, you know, and, and especially what we're seeing kind of interesting uptick in this right now, uh, I've seen all of those reasons that you just mentioned, the security aspect and surviving the boot storms. But 
probably most is, you know, XYZ. XYZ Enterprise is going to go from, you know, several thousand people to 2x or 3x the amount right away. And uh, they need that streamlined all flash solution that, that can just be, you know, seamlessly added in and scale. Um, with, without any really difficulty. So um, yeah, scale is an important piece. Like it, it, that's it, the simplicity of the flash array. First off, helping helps customers really quickly build VDI deployments on top of us. Because we ask two questions: What should you name that volume, and how big should it be? Everything else is up to how the VDI is. You know how you want to provision your desktops and the VMware layer. But from a flash array perspective, it's super simple. And the scale is an important part because it's not just scale like I mentioned before, where there's varying needs during the day around performance, but also all of a sudden you could wake up on Monday and realize I need to add 10,000 desktops, right? Do I have to re-architect my environment? And the flash array allows you to not have to do that because of the simplicity of the front end and the ability to do NDUs. And now I'm not just talking about yeah. software, but hardware NDUs mm -hmm. to get more horsepower. And so these things not being inextricably linked allows some flexibility where you don't design yourself into a corner because you originally only you know designed the environment for 2000 desktops right or something where you can add compute you can add storage horsepower you can add capacity without having to really affect the other pieces yeah that's a great add at the end because we are seeing a number of these you know case use cases come in where it's not just it's not the purchase of a whole bunch of net new arrays. There are folks that have been running VDI for years who are now just, you know, upgrading controllers, upgrading capacity, and doing it all on the fly, and their users don't even notice. I mean, that's, that's again, great testament to Evergreen and the sort of stateless architecture that we've built over time. So, yeah, so a lot, certainly a lot going on that. And I guess, you know, I, I realize that we kind of jumped ahead with with your vSphere 7 question. So there are a couple other things on there too. I think I, I want to make sure that yeah, I bring let's, up. Yeah, let's circle back before we close. That's, uh, you know, make sure we cover everything and also where, where folks need to go to see all the stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things that, I mean, talking about performance, right? we're talking about VDI and, and how things perform. And um, one of the things that helps is more intelligence, right? More intelligence at the storage layer, which is what our array does, right? It's, it's an intelligent OS, but it simplifies it, right, to the end user. And so this is one of the things that VMware has done from their storage stack, too, to improve performance by making their detection of problems smarter. And so the, one of the ways they did that was they introduced, in, in actually 6.7 update 1, uh, a new multipathing policy. Uh, it's not least QDEF. It's actually called a latency PSP, where essentially it samples the latency across different paths, as well as their I/O sizes, so it normalizes it. Like a you know a, a two meg write is going to take longer than a 4K read or something. Normalizes across that to see are there any paths that are out of the norm? Are there paths that have high latency? Maybe there's a cable cabling problem. Maybe there's some bad port somewhere that's causing increased latency. When VMware detects that, it automatically disables that path until it's healthy again. And so this makes sure that your VMware environment is protecting itself and using the best possible paths. And so we've been working with VMware on testing this with customers internally as well. And uh, in vSphere 7.0, there is a new automatic, automatic rule in ESX that if it finds any pure storage flash array devices, it will default the configuration to that particular path selection policy. So right out of the gate with vSphere 7, uh, we'll be using that multi-pathing policy, which will make, uh, once again, makes we're, we're trying to stay on the forefront of what storage can do inside of ESX, make sure we're testing it and qualifying it. And then when we're ready to go, which we are, we work with VMware to make that a default because we don't wanna make changing that best practice the customer's problem to change. 
Yeah. We want to work with VMware to make sure it's done right out of the box. And that's what we oh. did for vSphere 7. Yeah. And we tend to do those things where they're important. We make those by default, right? The, you know, the encryption that's on by default and many other things that we do because we just want to take that element of, you know, human error out of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if I go to a restaurant and they have 500 things on the, on the menu, I, I don't even know where to start. And, and I'm afraid, well, if I order that, I maybe want... I, I prefer those restaurants that have a couple things. They choose the best things yep. and then I can choose out of that. And that's really our mindset too, is that, is this really a choice that matters for the, I mean, I know it's not a perfect analogy, but you probably get my point. Is this a choice that really matters or is this something that we can automate and configure inside of the flash array? Um, or is this something we can work with VMware to change how it behaves or change some kind of default? Because I, especially in these VCF environments, right? Going back to VMware Cloud Foundation, the, the more automation you have, uh, the better it is if you don't have to change a lot of defaults. It's easier for us to support, it's easier for VMware to support, and it's easier for them to automate that, that setup and configuration and deployment. And so making those kind of choices and working alongside VMware to do that is super important as we see more adoption around things like VCF. Yeah. For sure. No, your analogy was good. I, I always get nervous with those, you know, 12 page menus and hundred, you know, that's telling me that you, you don't do anything really well. You, 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 do, <laughs> you, you do a whole bunch of things, mediocre or worse uh, versus the places you show up where it's, you know, it's three appetizers, five entrees and two desserts. And you're like, all right, yeah, this is going to work. This, they're, they're honing in on what they do well. And uh, that analogy works for me for sure. My um, only exception there, though, is diners. I do like diners with oh, like a thousand different breakfast menus. And that's I, I okay. Will, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, breakfast has so many variations, right? I mean, that's the, yeah, that's, that's, that's an easy one to have a lot of different, yeah. Diners, I'll put an exception, but let's say fine dining, you know, large, large menus or, you know, we can pass on places like the Olive Garden or things like that, right? Exactly. I think it's why people like In-N-Out too, right? So, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah, We've we got a burger and a fry option and you want a shake or a soda and that's about it. Love that. Um, anything else that you wanted to add in? I figure, I feel like there was one more, but um, maybe there wasn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, so like I said, like finishing up, I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about NVMware Fabric, like where that's going, right? And this, the support around it is not over, right? There's still more work to do. There's still some SCSI left in the ESX stack. So we're working with VMware around that. Um, but that, that process is going forward because it really has been a journey. Yeah. Right? Meant like five, six years ago, something like that, uh, we introduced uh, NVMe support for our NVRAM, right? And then we supported, then we took that knowledge and we made our internal flash NVMe uh, connected inside of the chassis itself. Because what we started running into was, well, uh, the flash itself was being bottlenecked by the form factor, by how much how much we could actually get through that interconnect. And so by opening it up and removing that SAS layer and using NVMe, we could really use the performance offered up by that raw flash. We're running in the same problems as spinning disk where they got larger, but they didn't really get any faster. And uh -huh. so by changing that, we were able to increase our performance density in particular. And then we took that and then added um, NVMe over, over fabric shelves for expansion shelves. And then we added now NVMe fabric on the front end. And now we're working on the, we worked with VMware on vSphere 7 launch on a driver for NVMe fabric. So you could mount VMFS data stores and so forth. And now the next step is to bring it the rest of the way up the stack inside of it. So it's been a journey and there's certainly still more work to do. Um, but it's exciting to see where we've gotten to at this point. Well, and congrats on all the work that you guys have done and that, you know, maintaining that close relationship and all the work that you're doing obviously is visible to VMware and they see the value in it as well because they they have, you know, 
put so much time and effort into the partnership. So um, great work by you and, and the extended team. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I the, you know, my, my team's done some really fantastic work and, and our engineering and VMware has been a fantastic partner and really helpful and um, really eager to work on this stuff. So it's, um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, and of course, to, to assist with all of this, we've been updating all of our integration. Uh, we have a new, we actually do have a new SRM SRA coming out to support some new replication topologies, because that's not going away anytime soon, but it, eventually it's all going to be VVols, I'm sure of it. Um, but also there's our vSphere plugins going to be updated with NVMware Fabric support, Active Cluster support, and of course vSphere 7 support too. Um, our vRealize Orchestrator plugin, our uh, vRealize Operations Manager, uh, one of the announcements they made in, in eight, for 8.1 support is vVol support in vROPS. And so we'll be putting a lot of effort into using that feature too, uh, moving forward with our management pack. So there's a lot going on with the new stuff containers and NVMe and et cetera, et cetera, but also the, the older tools too that are being really significantly updated by VMware. vRealize Orchestrator is really cool in, in the upcoming release on what they've expanded to outside of the traditional JavaScript that it used. So that, that's only going to get more and more important. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, where do you want to send folks to get more information? I know we're doing some updates to the, to the webpage currently um, so that there will be a peerstorage.com with all the new things that we're doing for VMware integrations. And I think you've got your blog as well, right? Where people can read the most current thoughts that you have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our official place is support.peerstorage.com slash solution slash VMware platform guide. But you can just remember support.peerstorage.com. Yeah. Uh, that's where all of our official documentation is and so forth. Um, also, of course, uh, we have a public Slack uh, team um, that you can register for if you go to code, C-O-D-E, dot uh, And so you can chat about our launches, see our, you know, ask questions. We'll certainly post links in there to anything new. Uh, a lot of different topics inside of that you can you can dig into and just added one actually this morning around the cloud block store and had some good conversation around that in AWS. Uh, and then yes, a blog. So, uh, my, my blog, CodyHosterman.com. And I have a link down there to all a lot of other um, pure focused blogs as well. So you can find some more information because my all of my team blogs as well. Uh, uh, Kyle Grossmiller, Jake Cox, on there. Alex, Alex Carver, right? So there's a lot of links out there for more information beyond just, of course, my blog. Awesome. Well, check those out, everybody, if you're interested in what we're doing with the VMware ecosystem and all the great integrations. Hey, Cody, thanks for coming on. We should, uh, we should really actually do this more often, you know. I agree. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun, and I enjoy, uh, enjoy talking to VMware. I'm here with you. I know it. I know it, and I love getting it out there to folks. So with that, everyone, we will go ahead and wrap. Thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a colleague about the program. Uh, keep that up, and we will keep the episodes coming out to you. And uh, with that, we'll wrap. For Pure Storage and Cody Hostman, this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.